We're going to be in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, if you want to be turning there. Ron Wayne was one of the founders of Apple, along with Steve Jobs and um, Steve Wozniak, and he helped steer that uh, computer company in the early days. Uh, helped in the inventing of this Apple computer, even helped in the design of the original logo as well. Uh, but early on, uh, he was given 10% of the company, and the two Steves each got uh, 45%. Uh, but he decided to give his 10% back uh, because he did not want to be held liable for a portion of the $15,000 loan uh, that they had taken out to start Apple. And so he gave his 10% back and had no percentage of this little startup company uh, that would have been worth $37 billion today. And so you would think someone like that would have a few regrets to say, maybe I should have held on to that uh, 10%. Maybe I should have uh, held on to that liability that said, uh, $15,000, uh, is it worth the risk? I don't know. But he has no regrets. He said in an interview, I made my decision on the information I had at the time. I've got my health, my family, and integrity, and that is the best fortune you could ask for. That is quite an impressive response, a person of, of no regrets, that the decision was the decision, the path is the path, uh, billions of dollars later, no regrets. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus is telling us a story of a very rich man who dies, is buried, and then is full of regrets as he is tormented in the afterlife. None of his regrets involve poor business decisions. None of his regrets are missed opportunities in making money. He doesn't say, I should have held on to 10% of that apple orchard. Uh, he says other things. He has these other regrets. Let's look at Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. That's a way of saying this man was super rich. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came out and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, there, uh, where, there was, where, the, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip 
the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to be want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us he answered then i beg you father send lazarus to my father's house for i have five brothers let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torments abraham replied they have moses and the prophets Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. So here is this interesting and a little bit bizarre a little bit confusing, and a little bit dark story that Jesus gives us. This rich man, this incredibly wealthy man who has these huge feasts every day, who who dresses himself in, in the finest of clothes, who has an estate so large that he has a gate, and outside of that gate lies Lazarus, this poor man covered in sores and the stray street dogs come and lick his sores he is weak he is broken he is sick he is poor and so we've been on this journey through Luke, looking at the mission of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, looking at these, these instances of, of Jesus identifying who he is and what he's come to do and, and who he's come for. And we see this attention that is given to the marginalized, this attention that's given to the poor and the hurting and the crippled. And here we have this story that brings this together to say, What is the mission of God about in this situation? To really understand the context of what's going on here, you have to look back all the way to to chapter 15, verse 1. It gives the context for the story that we've just read. In 15, verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. We've seen over the last several weeks these images of Jesus sitting at the table sharing meals with people that he shouldn't be sharing meals with. All social status, all social expectations would say these are not the people to be hanging out with. And here we have another scene where where Jesus is eating with the tax collectors, he's eating with the sinners, and the religious establishment is looking and saying and muttering, what is going on here? 
And then we have Jesus giving several parables that we're going to, to, to look at in the next few weeks. But then in chapter 16, verse 14, it says the Pharisees, these ones who are muttering, the Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. And so we've gone from muttering to sneering as Jesus continues to tell these stories to this audience of Pharisees. And then he tells us this story of the rich man and Lazarus. That gives us our scene, that gives us our context to say, who is it that Jesus is addressing here? We have this religious establishment who, who is defined as wealthy. And, and wealthy for Luke is not just a, a, a label of of a, a bank account amount. It's not the amount of money, but it, it, it's, it's a position of power. It's a position of authority. It's a position of status. That wealth, that the, the description of wealth comes with it. All of this, the, the, these other expectations of who this person is. And to lack wealth means to lack status, to lack position, to lack power, to lack authority. And even worse, to be oppressed by those who are wealthy. So to say someone is wealthy is actually a description of oppression. That here is a powerful person who is wealthy at the expense of others. And so here we have these Pharisees who are described as wealthy, who are described as ones who love money. And so Jesus tells the story of a rich man. Who could he be referring to in this story? As the Pharisees mutter and sneer at what Jesus has to say about those who love power and wealth and status. And so we get into this story of, of the rich man and Lazarus, this wealthy man and this very poor man. There was a nurse that had been uh, specializing in care for the terminally ill, and, and she worked at recording the most regrets that her patients had. At the end of life, what was it that these pa patients just regretted? As they were terminally ill and they were on their deathbed, she would, would have these conversations and, and start to look at what were the things that, that they just were so disappointed with, the things that they wish would have been different. Here's five, the, five, the top five regrets that she discovered. Uh, the fifth one is, I wish that I had let myself be happier. I wish I would have let myself be happier. People admit that they, they feared change in their lives, so they pretended like they were content. But in fact, they wished that they had laughed more. They wished that they would have allowed themselves to be sillier and, and more fun. The fourth one is, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. People feel badly that they, they were caught up in their own lives and they let those important relationships and those important friendships drift over time. A third regret was that they wish they would have had the courage to express their feelings more. The courage to say uh, what they were feeling. People felt like they were suppressing their feelings in order to keep peace with others. The second, one was, the, the second one was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. 
And this regret is expressed by uh, nearly every male patient that she had. The first one was, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not, let, and not the life others expected of me. They wish they had the courage to really live the life that, that was in line with what they believed, not just moving along with the expectations of others. And so these are, are some big regrets. Do they, do they ring true to you? Whatever life stage you find yourself in, you're not, not on your deathbed, but as you think about your life, um, as you think about uh, family members that you may have lost recently, as you think about s- changes that have happened in your life, what are the regrets that kind of come up? Do these ring true to you? I say, man, I wish, I wish these things would have been different. And what would you think of as, in your last day here? What would be the things that you would regret? We all have things that we could have done better. But, but true, deep regrets. Jesus tells the story of this rich man who has these regrets. He's not alone in his life. He's not alone in his death. He he has at his gate this poor man named Lazarus. And he has this opportunity right at his doorstep to live the life that he has been called into, to live the life that, that has been presented to him by Moses and the prophets. And so here is this opportunity, Lazarus, at his doorstep, covered with sores, longing to, be sat- longing to be able to satisfy his hunger. Even what falls off of his table, he would, he would just take those scraps and, and was not even given that. And then we think about Lazarus. He's in this story as well. The only named person in a parable of Jesus. The poor man gets a name. Lazarus. Maybe he has some regrets as well. He had a life that was pretty miserable. How did he live that life? What what did he focus on? Was he focused on his poverty? Was he focused on his sickness? Was he focused on his lack of status? What regrets might he have? For Lazarus, happiness was was not a choice. It, It was this scrap from a rich man's table that he was desperate for. It was, it was dependency on this wealthy man. And so he had this miserable life. Jesus tells us in the story that the poor man dies and he's carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. And the rich man also dies and is buried and is not taken to Abraham. And the image here of being taken to Abraham is, it, it says in the NIV, Abraham, he was taken to Abraham's side. But other translations talk about Abraham, Abraham's bosom, taken close to Abraham. And so this, this poor man who has been living in the streets is now taken close in to Abraham. This place of comfort, this place of support. But then here is this rich man who is left 
in torment, left in pain, left miserable. And what are the regrets that he starts to go through? Maybe regret number one was, I wish I would have cared for the people around me. Here is Lazarus on my doorstep, this poor man lying at my gate. He's covered in sores, and I've had to step over him and around him to go on in my everyday life. Every single day, this rich man gets up and walks out of his house with an opportunity to help Lazarus, simply giving him the leftovers from his feast. And so could it be his regret is... I wish I would have cared for those around me. A second regret is that I wish I would have listened to Moses and the prophets. I wish I would have listened to the teachings that I have received growing up, these messages from Scripture. I wish I would have listened because they were telling me this all along. Isaiah says in in Isaiah 58, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? These are the scriptures that this rich man, especially a wealthy Pharisee would have known well. That Moses, in Leviticus 19, says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The message of Moses, the message of Isaiah, is very clear on the focus on others and not the focus on self. And here we have this wealthy man who is all about himself. His clothing, his food, his lavish parties, his lavish lifestyle is all about him. He did not listen to Moses. He did not listen to Isaiah. He did not listen to the prophets. And so there's this emphasis here in this story about hearing. Hearing. Hearing is more than just an an audible sound in your ear, but hearing is to actually put into practice the things that you hear, is to listen and obey. And so a big regret for this man is he did not hear what God had to say to him. Regret number three is I, I wish I'd had the chance, or I wish I would have had the courage to live a life true to myself, and not let the lives of other and not let the life of others and not live the life others expected of me i wish i'd had the courage to live a life true to what i believe in that that, that he knew what was expected of him from scripture he knew what was expressed as his belief in what god had called them to do But he didn't live that life. Instead, he lived the life of the expectations around him. He lived the life of the the social status around them. The norms of the culture around them defined for him what his life would look like, as opposed to letting the Word of God define what his life would look like. 
It takes courage to go against the system. It takes courage to go against what society is telling us is correct and right. That there are expectations placed upon us by a cultural system of power and wealth and materialism and consumerism that says this is the American way. This is the life that you should live. And will you have the courage to live a life different? A life true to the gospel. The rich man saw this poor man and he he knew that Moses and the prophets commanded him to help, but he stepped over him, he walked around him, he avoided him. And the rich man fell into a trap set by people who blamed Lazarus instead for poverty. The the rich man believed this this idea that, that wealth defines godliness and that poverty defines sin. That because he's wealthy, he's good with God. He doesn't have to listen to what Moses and the prophets say because his wealth is an indicator that he is blessed by God. And for Lazarus to be in the situation that he's in, obviously, he is a sinner. And I need to keep my distance from him. He is an outcast. He is untouchable. And I'm to stay away. But we see in the scene here that the rich man cares deeply for his brothers. He, he wants to give a warning to them. He wants to go back and say, hey, pay attention. <laughs> Listen. Live out what you believe in. Because I didn't do that. And now I live this life of regret. And Abraham replies to him, they have Moses, they have prophets, they have the scripture, they should be listening to them as well. Lazarus will not return back to them and give them a warning. And so the rich man realizes this fate that he's in and the fate that may be coming to his brothers. He pleads with Abraham, if someone would go back and warn them, if somebody would come back from the dead and tell them this is what God is really about, then they would believe. Then their lives would be changed. Surely they will turn their lives around if dead Lazarus comes back to them and gives them a warning. But Abraham shakes his head and says, No, if they won't listen to Moses, if they won't listen to the prophets, then they will not be convinced by someone who rises from the dead. So Abraham is talking to us. Once again, where do we find ourselves in this story? What role do we see ourselves playing? If Jesus were here telling us this story, are, are we in that position of the wealthy? Who are being warned. Warned to, to live life true of what you believe in. True of what scripture tells us. True of what the gospel calls us into. Warning. What life are you living? 
And are we convinced of that? Can the Scripture and what God calls us to convince us? Or do we need somebody to rise from the dead to tell us it's true? Because we have somebody who is risen from the dead to tell us what God says is true. We are a people of the resurrection that believe in Jesus who went to a cross, died on that cross, and three days later rose from the dead. And in that resurrection, we see that God is who he says he is. That the things that he has called us into are true and good. That the message of Jesus is the good news. That he comes to bring good news to the poor, to heal the blind, to heal the crippled. Jesus brings us good news. And it is that news that sets us free. That we are not bound by social norms. We're not bound by cultural expectations. We're not bound by the hierarchy of power. Wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, if you find yourself as the poor and the marginalized or the wealthy who are called to do something different, wherever you find yourself on that, you are released from that. You are free from that. God says you will no longer be defined by that. I am making you into something new. You are a new people with a new mission and a new purpose. Let's be standing together. As we stand on that last day, what regrets will we have? Not the little things along the way. We've all screwed up a lot of things. But what are those big regrets that we have? Will we, will we stand at that day regret-free that we did everything we could? We made mistakes along the way. We didn't do it perfectly, but we tried our hardest. We did our best. Will we look at our lives and wish that we had cared for people around us? Will we look at our lives and wish that we had, had listened to the scriptures, listened to Moses and the prophets and Jesus about what he has to say about who we're to be? Will we wish that we had the courage to live out our beliefs in God in a more true way? Will we have those wishes? Or will we feel confidence? that by the grace of God at work in us, we have been transformed into the likeness of his Son. That we have lived a life faithful to the calling that's been placed on each and every one of us. Where will we stand on that day? We put our actions in line with our beliefs. We live a life of integrity true to the gospel of Jesus. 
because we have been set free. We live a life of freedom.